Live Creative Now, episode 128. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, 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 hello. I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life and it's how you change the world because that's how it works. Change your own life and the world changes. And today I I'm so excited to bring to you a conversation that I had with Jackie Lloyd Smith, who plays with Lego for a living. <laughs> Actually, Jackie Lloyd Smith trains other people to play with Lego for a living. What? <laughs> In short, Jackie trains people like me to be facilitators of a methodology called Lego Serious Play, or LSP for short. And yes, Lego Serious Play uses Lego, Lego bricks, those little plastic bricks that you probably played with as a kid. And I met Jackie back in June when I took a one-day workshop in Lego Serious Play at a conference I went to called the Creative Problem Solving Institute in Buffalo, New York. And I actually signed up for this one day workshop at the conference thinking, huh, Lego, well, that sounds interesting. That sounds different. I'll, I'll check it out. And I was blown away. First, I was blown away by Jackie. <laughs> and then I was blown away by the Lego Serious Play methodology. I was blown away by Jackie. I wanted to learn at her feet. She is a brilliant facilitator. And I basically want to apprentice with this woman. And I was blown away by Lego Serious Play. I wanted to soak up everything I could about Lego Serious Play. And so I ended up signing up within a few weeks, signing up for five days of advanced training in Lego Serious Play with Jackie at her headquarters in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, this October. So just a few weeks from now, I am flying up there for five days of advanced training. And I am super excited about that. And I invited Jackie to come onto the podcast and talk with me about Lego Serious Play and what it's all about and how she got into it. Because Lego Serious Play is so cool. And I want other people to know about it and how it is bringing creativity into places where you don't normally think about creativity going, like 
corporate boardrooms, for example, and um, communities, community development, helping communities become less xenophobic, for example. That's just a couple of examples. It's used for so many things. It's really a brilliant methodology. Jackie and I talked about what Lego Serious Play is and why it's different from other kinds of creative and arts-based methodologies and how Jackie got into it. So have a listen and um, let me know what you think. So a little bit about Jackie. She is an international speaker, a trainer, facilitator, and she has presented all over the globe. She actually started her first business at age 19. So she has been an entrepreneur for practically forever. And today she continues to grow the global brand Strategic Play. That's the name of her company. And she has a very interesting background, which you'll hear more about in the episode. And she now focuses her energy on helping others by revolutionizing how they think to solve messy problems and to improve their business functions. And for years, she worked as a licensed partner with the Lego Group in Denmark, where she was trained. And then she became a trainer for that company in the method Lego Serious Play. And she talks more about that and how how that all happened and how she ended up becoming a master trainer in this methodology. So have a listen to my conversation with Jackie Lloyd Smith. I want to talk about your story because I know you you and I have talked a little bit already about your story, but I want I want you to be able to share it with my podcast audience. But first off, what is Lego Serious Play? All right. Well, Lego Serious Play is a it's a methodology that was created by the Lego company and has been um, handed over to the community under an open source model. So lots of people have now taken it and um, adapted it in lots of different ways, including us who are sort of the, um, the innovators on changing it, switching it and kind of hacking it um, under the, um, under the creative commons license in order to have it apply for so many different situations. It's very versatile, but what Lego series play is, is, um, it was a process that was invented to help people be, to communicate and think better. So in many ways, you can say it's a problem-solving tool, it's a communication tool, it's a thinking tool. And it really helps people to be able to, I think at the, at the core, take their inside thoughts and feelings in the world that they kind of have in their head and be able to bring another dimension um, to that world. So instead of just talking about it or even pointing it, um, you know, like pictures, which might give you a visual. This is a 3D thing that you can actually snap apart and re-snap together again in order to adapt your thinking and be able to use it to communicate, to say what you really, what you really think your story is or what the narrative is that goes along with your thoughts. 
Um, so that's what Lego series play is. And it's Lego, just like the Lego bricks that probably your podcast audience know about that, um, that you can get from the store. Ours are a little bit different. They're packaged a little bit different, but they're the same bricks or just, they just come in different packages and they're packaged specifically for storytelling and for creativity. Thank you. it's so interesting because I was just at a Labor Day barbecue at my parents house and I was telling people like friends my parents who've known me for years decades about oh I'm doing this this advanced training and Lego serious play and the responses from people are are very interesting because I get I get these these furrowed brows and these sort of raised single raised eyebrows like Lego? Like what? And trying to explain to people, and I'm so enthusiastic about it and trying to explain to people what it is. And and they start to get a little more intrigued and a little like the the raised eyebrow starts to go away and they start to be curious and, and want a little want to know a little bit more about it. But it's very interesting to me, and I wonder if you get this response as well. I get sort of one of two responses. One is, oh, tell me more, and one is You've got to be kidding me. Lego? Yes. And of course we do. I mean, we we talk to everybody about it. And so that means that we have a whole variety of, of responses, including people that are cynical and think, oh, this is just another gimmick, to people that are extremely excited and will say things like, well, I've always known that Lego was a great toy for education. And my kids just, you know, loved it or I loved it when I was a kid. And tell me more because, you know, the way that we're working right now doesn't work and anything that would improve that. So we have the whole variety of, of responses. Um, <clears throat> the people that are usually cynical in the beginning, we, if we have an opportunity to, if they're open enough to let us show them how it works, uh, very quickly we can demonstrate it. And you can demonstrate it by picking up any kind of an object and pointing at it to explain something. Because language in itself is very limiting, and the words that I use, um, so I might use a word like um, trust, that word could mean a million different things to you know other people. So Lego series play is a way to get a common language together and to explain what we mean by the words that we use. So the words that we use are usually rich in meaning, but it's the meaning behind those words that we fall down on explaining. And so this is where miscommunication comes from and this, and you know, people make assumptions and I, I very simply will say to people, you know, how often have you told somebody something and they completely misunderstood you? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have had that experience. And so then I'll say, well, w- what if I told you that you could explain something to somebody and they would really get what you meant? They could actually like see inside your brain. And people are like, okay, that's interesting. And so I'll spend a little bit of time talking in those terms because as soon as I give you a bunch of Lego bricks and I have, I ask you to build something, anything, Immediately what you've done is you've just built a representation of your thought that you were just having a minute ago. It's now built out of Lego. Um, so we're clever in how we we take people to that point, but we do get to a point where we can ask people very complex questions and the Lego building is a sort of a sorting out as they're building, they're making choices and they're deciphering what they really think and then they're building it in a model and then telling the story that goes with the model. 
So um, it has it has five components to it that are quite important. And the components are that the facilitator or whoever's leading would ask a question or pose some kind of a challenge. And in response to that, people build something out of Lego. When they're building, that's sort of like a physical thing. They're snapping the Lego together, but there's an introverted process that happens in their head where they start thinking about, well, what are, what, are, what am I putting together here? What do these things mean? What am I trying to say? And they actually have to visualize, in some ways, the concepts, which means that as soon as we get their hands involved and we start doing this with them, we're really using their entire brain, not just the part of their brain that's responsible for language, but their entire brain so that they're snapping things together, they're recalling memories, they're thinking about how they're going to symbolize something. Um, and then the next step, which is the third, um, um, or, or sorry, the, the fourth step is that they tell their story. So the first step is we ask a question, second is they start building, third is they add meaning, fourth is they story tell or story make, which means that they show us the model like show and tell and point at it and tell the story that goes with it. And then the fifth step is where an incubation process happens. And it can happen by, you know, they've just told their story, which has made them think of something else, or they told a different story than the one they made up in their head, or the person listening asks a question, which then um, activates another part of their thinking and the story might change. So those are the five stages, and we do those over and over and over again, and the questions get more and more and more um, interesting depending on where we're going with how we design um, a workshop. But that's that's really the sort of the essence of LEGO Series Play. Yeah. So here's the next question. Theoretically, one could create a workshop with those same steps with other tools, right? You could use pipe cleaners, or you could use, uh, I don't know, other kinds of tools to construct things or, you know, paint or other kinds of artistic modes. So what's so special about Lego bricks? What makes it different from other types of methodologies and, I don't know, ideation techniques? You know, great question. And first, I just want to say that, yes, you can absolutely make 3D models out of anything, including garbage. I mean, you can go to a recycling <laughs> bin, you can get neat stuff, you can spray paint it, and you can do the same kind of thing. Um, the difference with LEGO Series Play, and I think this is really where LEGO nailed it, um, which, which could have been completely accidental, but the whole thing about LEGO is that anybody can snap a bunch of LEGO bricks together very quickly and make a unique, interesting um, artifact. And I call it an artifact because it's like a model that holds a story. So therefore, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just a model, it's actually something that tells us something. And so, um, and so with, with, let's say, 3D elements that you might have um, with a design thinking class, as an example, we, we do that too. And we roll in a coffee cart and we tell people, okay, you got to make something and you can only use the things on the coffee cart, you know, the plastic straws and, and paper cups and whatnot. Um, people who might feel intimidated by that, those people that have already, you know, through whatever life experiences have decided that they're not creative and that this kind of thing is childish or whatever kind of, you know, um, preconceived notion they might have, it breaks that barrier down because just about anybody 
can snap some Lego bricks together and very quickly have something that looks quite cool. And so we, number one is we, it removes a barrier to, um, entering that creative realm. So that's the first thing it does. The second thing that the Lego um, does is it all snaps together and unsnaps with about the same velocity and put, Lego will put a lot of effort into that. Um, it also has lots of small parts that you can add to the Lego model, including the little people. So as soon as we start adding the little people, um, people can start seeing themselves in the minifigures and all of a sudden the minifigure becomes them and then the story becomes about their personal experience. So having the little minifigures with all the flags and all the little wheels and the light bulbs and the little flowers and all the neat things that come in the set make it very easy for people to get creative and to tell a creative story quickly. So I would say the magic of Lego Serious Play is one that it lowers the entry to the world of creativity. And two, it allows for rich stories to be told very quickly. And three, because we're all using the exact same Lego, at some point in the workshop, we can all build something together. And it's all going to snap together. And it's not going to be like, oh, well, I built this thing over here out of cardboard and I spray painted it silver, but you built something out of metal and it doesn't really work. This is all Lego. Everybody's model can snap together and we can make these bigger, more interesting things, which makes collaboration a lot easier. Um, I guess the other thing I would say, too, is because the Lego deconstructs and constructs so quickly that we can change our mind as we're building them. So rapid prototyping is like within seconds and we can change our mind at any point in the building process to maybe incorporate someone else's idea or a new idea that we just had. Yeah, absolutely. The other, the other thing that I really appreciated about the Lego when I took the workshop from you at Sipsy is there, the constraints of the bricks because you're limited in how, you know, there, there's only these certain number of shapes. I mean, there's, a, there's quite a, quite a lot of shapes, but, but, you know, you, if you have a, a coffee cart with pipe cleaners and cups and, you know, this whole variety of random things, there, it's, it's almost too much. Whereas with the bricks, they only snap together in a certain number of ways. And creativity loves constraints. So having the constraints of the bricks is really liberating. And, and also, it, they come in a variety of colors. And that is really lovely as well, because the colors provide, uh, you know, meaning or can provide meaning. And um, the, the shapes and the colors can layer on meaning to the constructions that you build, too. So there are just so many layers. I was astonished Honestly, when I signed up for your workshop at Sipsy, I I really was never into Lego as a kid. So <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, this looks interesting and different. So I'll sign up for this thing. And I was blown away by how how much I fell in love with it because I really did not expect to. And it just there's so many layers of wonderfulness that I discovered in the Lego Serious Play. You know, Melissa, I'm just smiling as I'm hearing you talk because it, 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 that was my experience too. When I, when I first started using it and I, so the two things are true. The one thing about the constraints I think is really interesting and, um, and important because it's a very logical toy 
You know, it only snaps together one way. You have to kind of move things around and make them actually click and snap. Um, and if you build a tower too tall or you make it too lopsided, it's going to fall over. So there's definitely constraints, which are in many ways using our logical our logical mind, you know, as we start putting the, the bricks together. But at the same time, we can build anything. And so we have to kind of work within those constraints to think about what it is that we want to build. And of course, everything we're building is a representation of an idea. Uh, we're not building the exact idea. We're not building the physical plant. We're building a metaphor that says, this is, you know, this is what my office looks like, or this is what the hospital looks like. So, um, so the constraints are true. And then also the multiple colors are, are super interesting because one of the things that we know, um, and my background is as an art and play therapist, uh, as soon as we start giving people things that are colored and we start getting them to work with their hands and we have them start building things that are experiences or represent something that's, that is either an idea they have or, or, a, a, or a past experience that they, that they have gone through, uh, we start, we start tapping into the, the subconscious mind. And as soon as people start going into the subconscious mind, they start building, they start creating, we can get them into what we call the flow state. And when they're in that flow state, that's where they lose track of time. And that's where they are incredibly <clears throat> involved in and they're concentrating. So that kind, that kind of experience seems to happen with people as well. And in many ways, the colors of the bricks draw them in. And then all the possibilities draw them in. And there is a bit of a roller coaster ride that they go on because at first they're like, oh, I don't think I can do it. I've never done this before. Or I don't know what this is. Or what if my story isn't good? Or what if I can't build? So I think they go through maybe a little bit of that fear as well, um, which also makes the experience even more memorable. So all of this thing, all of this is happening simultaneously in rapid concessions so quickly that people just remember, you know, the deep emotional feeling that they have as they start building and, and telling their story with the bricks. Um, so I think, I think that's the other part of the constraint that's, that's, that's also magical and, um, it's a constraint, but it's also limitless. So it's a creative, but logical tool. Yeah. I love it. All right. So you mentioned uh, how where your background in art art play therapy. So how did you get started? What was your path from Jackie, Jackie then to Jackie now? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to tell this path story quickly, um, and it goes like this. So I was um, always working. Uh, in the world of creativity. So as a, as a kid, my mother signed me up for drama and pottery and all of those kinds of courses, because I really always loved making things. And so then when I graduated from high school, I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I, I kind of wanted to work with children. That was one of my ideas because I would like to work with children that had learning disabilities. And so I thought, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do an art degree. That's what I'm going to start with <clears throat> because I thought there's a real connection. I remember when I was a kid, I liked art and I think that, um, that's where I'm going to go. So I started off doing, um, 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 a fine art program and quickly started worrying that, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make money with this and that kind of thing. Um, and so I went from fine art to doing more graphic art and commercial art. They used to call it back then. Um, and 
I had a few little jobs of, you know, various things. And I met somebody along the way who ran a children's um, uh, treatment center. And I just happened to say, oh, you know, I'm an artist. I'd love to come and do art with your kids. And she said, oh, that would be great. You know, I'm an art and play therapist. And um, back then, I mean, I don't want to date myself, but this is in the late 80s. That was like nobody had heard of that before. That was like way out there. Um, so I managed to talk with her and she told me about a program that she was running, which then ended up becoming a university program at Western. And I ended up teaching in that program. But as I started developing and becoming an art and play therapist, um, I started working in psychology departments. So my first job was working in a psychology department, um, and do using art and play. And as you, as you get older and as your career changes, I moved around to a few different places. I was um, then running a children's treatment center and I had gone back to school and I had done a master's degree in conflict analysis and management because in children's treatment, it's conflicts everywhere. Um, then I got married and I had to leave my job because my husband um, lived somewhere else. So I was a trailing spouse. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go into consulting. And what kind of consulting would I do while well, I've taken this, you know, master's degree in conflict analysis and management? So I'll start consulting in that field. And then as I got into it, I realized, boy, you know, I don't really know a lot about business. So I went back to school and I did an MBA. <laughs> it was during that period of doing my MBA that I just happened and I was starting to think, oh my God, this, you know, this MBA stuff is really boring and I don't want to be sitting behind a computer and how did I get so far away from my passion? And it was everybody in the class read the same article. It was a finance article talking about mergers and acquisitions. And at the very end of the article, and now this is going back to the early 2000s, there was a one line that said Lego is developing a, an application um, with Lego series play to help the people problems in mergers and acquisitions. And right away I went Lego because all along I had been thinking when I was doing the conflict work, gee, if I could just bring my art and play tools into this boardroom, I could solve this conflict a lot quicker because I could see that when people were just talking, they weren't really getting to the values or to their interests or to their, what was motivating them or, you know, the real meaning behind the words they were using. And I was continuously thinking, boy, art, art would really help right now. Wow. So when I read about this, Lego thing, I then harassed the people at Lego because it really wasn't a thing yet. They were just dabbling in it until finally somebody from Lego called me back and said, would you like to come and take um, a training program? And I really didn't know what it was. I remember saying to my husband, oh my God, it looks interesting. They were having trouble explaining it because at that point there was nothing on the internet about it. And I thought, um, and I said to my husband, it's a leap of faith to go. It's expensive. I have to fly a long way and pay a lot of money and then buy all this Lego. And I remember him saying, well, you don't train for the Olympics and not get in the pool. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, was, that was a line he used, and I never forgot him saying that. You don't train for the Olympics and then not get in the pool. So I thought, okay, I got to get in the pool. So I went ahead and I took the course. And then when I got there, it was within the first few hours, I was like, oh, my God, the whole thing came into focus. And it was almost like all those little pieces came together to make this interesting. It was like that aha moment 
this is cool. And until then, I had taken lots of different training courses, you know, in Myers-Briggs, and I got, you know, certifications in this, certifications in that. It wasn't until we started using the Lego that I could see this was really the tool that um, answered a lot of questions for me. You know, how to bring multi-stakeholders together, how to reserve, uh, you know, resolve workplace conflicts, how to help people get clear about what business they're in, how to use it for coaching, how to use it for strategy. All those things started coming into my mind on all the millions of ways I could use it. I thought to myself, you could even use this to talk to, to help kids talk to their parents about divorce. You could use it for anything. In all the ways around the world that we have problems with communicating and explaining what we were really thinking, um, this would, this was a bridge. And so, um, and so just, yeah, so we just kind of went great. This is what we're going to use. Now it took us a little while to convince clients to use it with us. So we had to do quite a few demonstrations and I did a a bunch of nonprofits at a really discounted rate to get people to start using it. But as soon as uh, you know, people could just see what I saw and that was really the path to get it going. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's the story. Yes. That is amazing. So so you started working with clients and then when did you start training other people to use the methodology? So I started training on behalf of Lego in 2007. So in 2007, I started to, um, you know, I, I, I talked to Lego and of course we did this all under contract, but I started to be what they called a, um, a, a trainer for them. And, um, I just really wanted to share it. And everybody that I knew that had come to my, one of my workshops was like, I want to learn how to do this too. So I could see that people, um, it was crazy to think that people would have to fly to Denmark to learn how to do it. And so, um, so Lego agreed. And I, I think because of my background, I had already been doing a lot of training so that, um, the consulting firm that I had started, we started it with doing management consulting and a big part of that was training. Um, so we started training for Lego in 2007 and then in 2009, they appointed me to what they call their training board and, um, and I became a master trainer for Lego and I was actually part of the team that looked at the barriers that were stopping people from um, from be- taking the training and starting to use it. And so that was how we um, we then made it open source. And because up until then, you had to take the training and you had to also buy a license with Lego. And so that was the switch. And so now it's open source. You don't have to buy a license anymore. And in fact, I'm doing, you know, like this podcast I'm doing with you, we also put stuff on our website to really try to encourage people to go ahead and, um, and try it and see if they like it. And if they do, then of course they can come and take the training. So what, what exactly does that mean that it's open source? Well, it means that you don't have to pay Lego. You don't have to buy a license from Lego. Lego are, have, have very kindly, um, sad to the world, um, this is Lego Series Play. This is uh, this is basically how it works. I mean, they don't give too much away. They give sort of the underpinning of of the of the of how Lego Series Play works. And um, Creative Commons is a license that allows us then to use it and adapt it and make it 
make it different, which is what we've done. We've got courses. We have a, a full course for coaches. So people who are coaches that want to do creativity coaching, we've got a course that's called um, um, Lego Series Play Creative Coaching. And so coaches can take Lego Series Play, the course, and then they can turn around and use um, use it with their clients to, um, to, to coach their clients. So um, so basically, the methodology, as long as we give credit back to Lego, which I'm very careful to always do, um, we can use it and adapt it and use it, you know, use it to make the world a better place, which we're, we're really, we're really working on that. We just used it um, not that long ago with the city of Surrey around helping them reduce uh, the effects of poverty. Um, we've used it, you know, to lower, um, lower you know, or, or change people's attitudes around um, the resistance to have new immigrants enter their community or how they can be nicer with shut-ins, people that can't get out. So we've used it in lots of different ways for community development, which is, you know, really close to my heart. But we've also used it for product development too. We've helped, you know, we've helped companies develop new products and use it for um, to doing research with consumer groups. And we've done lots of work with Procter & Gamble as an example to think about how do people use products? What would make their life easier? Um, how could, how could, how could the packaging be different? So all of those kinds of things. So it's really endless how you can, how we can use it. So cool. And what is the difference between just using Lego bricks if you're facilitating a group and using Lego serious play? Well, I, I encourage everybody to put Lego bricks on the table because I think they're just a fantastic, you know, tool for people to even fiddle and play with while they're while they're in a meeting. Um, lots of facilitators use Lego and so do university professors in many different ways. And and I mean, it's just an endless fun thing to do. And I'm sure there's lots of um, things out there that I've never even seen. And there's some things that I have seen that I think are great. The difference with Lego serious play is that it always has those five ste ste um, steps that I told you about. So there is um, the questions that are asked are usually asked to, um, to prompt thinking and then to get people to tell some kind of a story. So if there's a, a facilitator that asks a question, if there's a building with Lego with a story attached, and Lego Series Play has a whole set of, um, of etiquette, that keeps the playroom safe. So there's certain rules in a Lego series play workshop that the facilitator um, outlines right from the beginning. And those are the underpinnings along with this etiquette um, where we do turn taking. So everybody, if you build, everyone gets to tell their story, everyone gets to take a turn and the other people are listening generously and listening for understanding. So there's a whole bunch of things that go into a workshop that a Lego series play facilitator would do that somebody that's not trained in Lego series play wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily um, understand. The other magic about the process is that there are some very, very specific steps that we take in a workshop in order to lead people to um, the point of the innovation that are uh, carefully timed and it's um, and it's planned out specifically for the goal. So we re-engineer, you know, the client says, well, this is what I would like to see everybody do. We re-engineer that. So we take it backwards and then we create a workshop that will meet that goal. Um, so, and it's done with, um, with these a series of builds, it's kind of like a spiral where we take down, people down 
through a journey and they do it through the Lego. Very cool. So tell me about one of your, one of your favorite experiences using Lego series play, like a case study that really got you excited. Um, oh my goodness. There's so many. Let me think of one that, um, well, the, we actually made a video. Um, this just comes to mind. The one that we just did with the city of Surrey, where we brought in 25 people for a three day retreat. And, um, we unpacked the concept of poverty in the city and the city of Surrey are, are one of our clients and they're wonderful because they let us videotape it. Uh, they, they, you know, there's a narration that goes to the video. People then start talking about their experience using the Lego. Um, and we had these videographers that helped us produce it and did an absolutely fantastic job capture production. They came and they videotaped it and then created it. And so that, I think I love that story because we help people start thinking about, um, what they could do as a community to make, to lower the effect of poverty. And they came up with all kinds of ideas like creating um, childcare spaces in all new buildings and um, looking at container housing and thinking about repurposing libraries. So there was all kinds of, um, you know, those are like three big headings, but within those three big headings, they got right down to the nitty gritty and to the small things that they actually could do and what they could easily do that was in, within their sphere. And when people left, they were super excited and we were super excited. Um, but that's just one example. I mean, we've used it in so many, um, so many different settings. And I, I have to, um, I have to think about ones that I can, I can just sort of tell you about, because of course, everybody that's using it is using it because they've got some kind of a problem that they're trying to get over, but we've used it for disaster planning. And we've looked at, um, you know, what we would do if there was an earthquake, Mm. um, and really thinking about that, you know, like I live as do you, I think right in the earthquake zone. Oh yeah. And I'm right <laughs> and on a so fault. <laughs> yes. And so, so, you know, I'm really, I'm really motivated to have them figure it out because, um, if there is an earthquake, then it affects all of us. So those kinds of things I think have been, um, have been really, have been really interesting and special when I, when I think back, but, um, I mean, there's, there are so many different situations, even using it with an individual to help them get clear about how they're, what kind of a business they're going to develop and how they're going to improve their service offerings. Um, so using it that way, it has been, has been really great too. So I can take it right down to the micro and then bring it up to the macro and use, you know, small examples and then great big examples that have really changed uh, the way people work together. Do you, is is that is there something that you could you could suggest to listeners that like could a listener go out and purchase a Lego Series Play starter kit and do something on their own? They absolutely could. There are um, kits online, and they are if you go to Lego.com, and then in the search bar you would actually type in Series Play. It'll take you to what Lego series play, what they sell. Now there's a kit and I'm going to give you the product number. Just a second. It's right behind me. Sorry about that. I had to reach. Um, okay. 
So there's a kit, and it's called um, Serious Play, and there are it says it's, there's 219 pieces. Um, but it's not your typical, if you buy it, you're not going to get what you might get like a step-by-step -step building guide. It doesn't have that in it. It does have a little workbook in it, which I think is great. Um, but the product number is, it's, um, 2000, so 2000414. And I can't remember for the life of me, the price of the, it's around, I think I'm going to say it's around $40. Yeah. I um, just, I just bought it and I'm, I think, I think it was I think it was I have to look it up but I think it was about 36 US. Okay. So that that box um it has a, you know when you get it you're going to open it up and you're going to think oh there's quite a bit of air in here cuz there is cuz the lego bags all fall to the bottom but I guess I have to do that for shipping. But there is still um, a lot of Lego and a lot of small pieces of Lego, which are usually always the most expensive. Um, but the bang for the, for the dollar is really good. I think that the starter kit for somebody that's like, I'm curious about this. I don't want to know what it is. And I would like to get practicing with Lego. And I, there's a whole bunch of builds in there that you can do. So there's some things in there that you can make these crazy things that really improve your building skill. And then there are, um, some ideas in there about things that you could build that you might want to try. It doesn't really um, tell you how to use Lego Serious Play, but there is lots of stuff on our website. So if you go to uh, strategicplay.com and then you click on resources, there's lots of different little ideas on there that you can um, that you can that you can build and you can try and you can play with it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, Jackie, when I took that workshop with you, the one day workshop at Sipsy, the Creative Problem Solving Institute, it just totally blew my mind. <laughs> it just rocked my world. <laughs> I think it's one of these things that for people to really, um, for people really to kind of get their head around how it works, you, you you almost need somebody to facilitate a demonstration for you. Yeah, because um, it's really. It is, it's really in many ways, it's quite abstract to think that you could build with Lego and then you're somehow going to be smarter or you're going to be able to understand something better. Um, so I, I think that the key here is in the facilitation. And Lego do sell the box, you can buy it, you can play with the Lego, but really to understand how it works, you need somebody to facilitate some kind of an activity so that you can try it. You can get your hands on the bricks, you can start building things, and then it's as they ask questions, um, which of course Lego series play facilitators know that there's steps that you take in order to asking the questions. So that part is where the skill comes in, um, that people really do, you know, end up feeling like that was really, that was really interesting. Um, so the, what you did it, um, it, with me in, uh, in New York, that whole activity is really a, um, just sort of like scratching the surface because we did the, we did a, a, a one day, um, workshop kind of training with you. Um, but when you start seeing it, when, um, as, as the whole thing unfolds, you can just see it's an endless tool that can be used in so many different ways. And, um, and yeah, you can get into it as deeply as you want, or you can, you can use it in small ways and as, as part of other kinds of workshops or, you know, we have a lot of teachers and university professors that use it in a one hour classroom. So there's so many different ways that you can use it. That's what makes it so neat is that it's very versatile, very adaptable, and you can use it in lots of different settings. There's no, you know, kind of paint to clean up and, um, 
And people, most people now uh, have seen Lego before. And if they haven't seen Lego before, the learning curve on it is really quick. I mean, within within 15 minutes, people are building neat stuff. So, yeah. Well, I'm super excited for for the training with you in October. I can't wait. Yes, I know. It's coming too. It's already September. So it, it's really just around, around the corner. And the anticipation is just, I know lots of people are signed up and lots of people are like, really, what exactly is this and how, and how is it unfolding? Um, but you know, the, um, there seems to be quite a few people doing Lego serious play and there are quite a few videos on online of people using it. So I, um, I think it would be great if we could, um, right after your podcast, if you had a link to the video where we're using it with the city of Surrey, that would yeah. be great to show people um, because then they can kind of see it and they can see, you know, it gives you a visual about how people then use it to tell stories because that's the part that I think is pretty cool. Absolutely. I, I will absolutely link to it. I can probably even embed it in my, in the show notes. That's such, it's a fabulous video. All right. Super. Yeah. That would, that would really help for people to see. I mean, one of the things that we, of course, we would really love people to, to go and get the training and learn how to do it. But we also realize that that's a big commitment and it would be nice for people just to be able to, um, use the Lego in a small way and try some things out. So I think that, um, we're planning on anyhow, building some very simple videos that we're going to be putting on our website soon and people will be able to, um, get them and it'll walk them through the open source document that Lego has um, has put out so that people can can see how they can try it. And that's the other thing, um, Melissa, I'll link, I'll link you up with that document too, so that people can, can read it. It is on our website, but it might be hard for people to find. So I'll just get you the link so you can, you can uh, give that to people so that they can have a little look at exactly what the underpinnings are and what the philosophy behind the, the Lego application is so that if they want to try it, they can. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, let's move on to our something cools. I know you brought something cool. I did. So my something cool, I mean, there's so many cool things. I mean, really, it's just, I was looking around my house going, oh, there's a million cool things right here. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something cool that I thought that I would share, um, knowing that your, your listeners are people that are all um, in the wheel, in the field of creativity already, or they're interested in creativity, they're excited about it. I thought this is a great tool that they could use that brings, gives them, um, it brings a Lego into their life, but they don't have to go off and take the training because I thought what I would show you are our diagnostic cards we created. Um, and I sent you the link to our website and on that website, there are three different videos that show people these diagnostic cards and, and how, how you can use them. Um, and so I'll tell you a little bit about these diagnostic cards. We were finding that we would go and visit clients and, um, it would take them quite a long time to, to tell us you know, what kind of a workshop they needed, or maybe what kind of problems they were having, or what kind of issues were emerging. Um, and we we just found that we would do what we would call a pre-consult. So we would talk to them prior to, to um, meeting them or even at the meeting. And it still took them a long time. It was still a lot of work to really try to find out what was going on. So we decided that we would make some cards and a card deck and uh, the first deck we made had 50 had about 50 cards in it which we later found out that um 
as too many, that the card deck should really be around 25. Yeah, the learning curve on this has been interesting. Um, And so we started handing people these cards. And what we did was we took the Lego and we built some little vignettes or, or scenes, I guess you could say, of Lego people doing things that would represent problems that we thought that were most happening either in organizations or if you were, let's say, a solo entrepreneur, what was going on in your life. So those were two the two decks we started with. And so for the organizations, we built things like, um, you know, everybody living in their own silo. So a whole bunch of Lego oh, people, wow. like, yeah, little, little towers, not communicating. Everyone's in the silo because we would hear that over and over again in organizations. Well, you know, our teams are great in departments, but our departments don't talk to each other. And so we built this little you know, model so that people could quickly pick up a card and say, yep, everybody works in a silo. So instead of having to drag it out of them, they're just showing us and the cards are kind of funny. So it makes it easier for people to laugh at themselves and to tell their story. Um, And then for solo entrepreneurs, there's cards like, you know, trying to wear too many hats or um, not taking enough time for rest and relaxation or, you know, being worried at night and not sleeping. Um, so the cards themselves are funny to look at. There's, um, you know, in organizations, we've got like office hookups and we've got, um, <laughs> we've got, you know, workplace conflicts where the guys are, are like, you know, fighting it out in, in um, army outfits with, with swords and things. And then we've got, um, you know, uh, living in the past and there's a whole bunch of skeletons and, you know, spider webs talking about how people don't want to, let's say, change or move into the future. So we've got all of these kinds of little vignette cards that have got the stories on them. And as we started making them, people would start suggesting, oh, we need a card about this. We need a card about that. So now we have all these decks and um, we also have superheroes and villains. So we have a superhero villain deck. But we've got a deck for coaching. We have a deck for working on children, um, issues with children. Um, We have a deck that is for um, organizations. We have a deck for um, workplace behaviors, teams and groups, a community deck, a coaching deck, um, career transition deck. So we made all of these decks. And, of course, you don't have to keep them in the decks. The decks are all different colors. You can mix and match them and stack the decks any way you want. But from a from a point of view, if you're interviewing somebody, and it could be anybody, somebody that's coming, you know, because they need coaching, or a child and youth worker could get a deck and use, you know, 25 cards with, let's say, an adolescent that's having problems at school, it doesn't matter. Um, and then you would just hand them the deck and have them sort the deck, the cards out for sometimes, always, and never. And so we have them put them in three piles and then um, and then you can have a conversation very quickly about the pile that you make. The um, the videos that are on the on the website show you three different ways to use the decks. And then if people do buy a deck of cards, they get a great big um, PDF full of I can't remember how many activities, but tons of activities that you could do in workshops or classrooms or wherever you're you're um, hanging out in order to help people uh, tell their stories quicker and faster and better. Fantastic. I love it. And I know you had a special uh, discount code too. Yes. So if people, um, when they're ordering, so there's a document that you print with that just you fill out and you say what, what, how many card decks you want or what card deck you would like. Um, if you write on that, 
that um, Melissa's name and that Melissa's network, just say Melissa's network 2017 or, or, or just Melissa's name 2017. Um, and you send it in. We're going to give anybody listening to the podcast that does that 20% off the cards. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. What a cool, something cool. I love it. Yes, it's definitely something cool. And Melissa, when you come to your training in October, um, we're going to show you how you can do, use the cards for root cause analysis. So that when you're, you know, working on strategy or when you're working with your clients and you're building um, a workshop approach, it'll will show you how you can you you can use the cards for um, a number of different things to do diagnostics. Fantastic! I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So my something cool this week is a television series. My husband and I signed up for HBO now so that we could watch Game of Thrones. And while we were waiting for the latest, of course, now the season is over. So we have to wait another year for season eight to come out. But several weeks ago, while we were waiting for whatever the episode was to go live on that particular Sunday, my husband was poking around on his computer to see if there was something else that we could watch in the meantime. And he started watching this series called Big Little Lies. And he he just was watching the, you know, the little opening sequence. And I got pulled in just by the design of the opening credits which is so beautiful. It's set in Monterey, which is our one of our favorite places to go. We went on our honeymoon and we go, we've gone every year for, we call it our anniversary moon because <laughs> it's the anniversary of our honeymoon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the opening credits are so beautiful because not only do they have these beautiful, beautifully shot, you know, you know, whatever, sh- sh- you know, images of, the ocean and everything, but the, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a calligrapher. So the, the, the fonts that they use and everything is very, very beautiful. And, and then we just got sucked into this story, which it turns out is based on a novel called Big Little Lies, which is actually set originally in, I think it's Australia. It might be New Zealand. I always get the two mixed up, but they reset it in Monterey for the HBO, the HBO series. And the, cast is phenomenal. It's got uh, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Laura Dern. um, uh, Who are the other people? I'm trying to remember some other like phenomenal actors, really amazing off the charts acting. And it's basically it's basically a soap opera. But you discover very early on immediately right off the top that somebody has died. Somebody has been killed. Uh And so the whole rest of the, it's only seven episodes and the whole rest of the series is essentially shot in flat, mostly flashback with, (laughs) it's it's basically um, the three main characters are um, moms of first grade students. And most of them are really rich, uber rich moms in Monterey, live in these you know massive mansions. But one mom who's new to the area, who is a single mom, and she's not so rich. And uh, oh, uh, the other one is Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, amazing mm. actress. And mm-hmm. the acting is incredible. 
I'm taking notes as you're saying all of this. Oh, it is so good. We got so addicted to it. Unbelievable. And um, (laughs) so somebody has died and been killed and uh and the 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 um it's like this kindergarten politics well first grade first grade politics and the like the moms are kind of at each other's throats and oh it's just really 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 juicy so we loved it so that (laughs) (laughs) that is this week's something cool so hopefully you will enjoy it too i don't know you may not you might have different tastes than we do but that's this week's something cool big little lies the hbo series i have not read the novel so i can't speak to it but we loved the hbo series wonderful well i just may check that out i'm one of those people believe it or not who has not seen, I might be the last person on the planet, but I have not seen Game of Thrones. No, you're not the last person on the planet because somebody <laughs> that I would, the same person actually at the party, at my parents' uh, Labor Day party, who uh-huh. was raising her eyebrow and saying Lego at me, she also has not seen Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> I got to get out of that club then quick. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. You know, it's funny. I, um, we just, we've we've heard so many people tell us about it and i keep thinking we've got some good tv ahead of us but we have not yet we have not yet tuned in so that is one of the things that we need to do but um but i think i'm going to look for the big little lies cuz she did a really that was a, a really compelling uh, story just told so i'm interested in checking that out well it's pretty juicy and it's only 7 episodes so you, it's quick. As opposed to Game of Thrones, which is seven years worth of episodes. <laughs> I know. It's, you know what? We ski in the wintertime, but you can't ski all the time. So that'll be nice. That'll be nice winter TV watching, I think, for us. Yeah. If if you like, uh, you know, be, pre- be prepared for a lot of violence. It's very dark. But I have heard that. But, yeah. I, but I love it. I'm completely addicted to Game of Thrones. But I, I also read all the books. So ah, and now be prepared okay. if you read the book they are very different the the tv series is very different from the books so just 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 know they're different universes and if you're if you if you like me tend to be a bit of a purist about these things just accept the fact that they're different universes and then you can enjoy both of them and see i have not read the book so i'll have no judgment going in yeah then it won't it won't bother you at all Well, Melissa, thank you so much. So I will send over to you um, the the link to the video and anything else that I um, need to send to you. And I really hope that your uh, listeners enjoyed this um, this session about Lego Serious Play. And I hope they're curious enough that they might poke around a little bit on our website and see what we've what we're up to because we would um, love them to do that. And also they can. Uh, sign up for our newsletter if they would like to get we don't send them up very often but um monthly updates on what's going on in the in the lego world awesome this has been really fun thank you so much for taking the time jackie and i will see you in october melissa thank you so much for having me i so appreciate um you having having me on your show and being able to just talk a little bit more about this and yes i am super excited about october it's going to be a lot of fun in whistler I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Talk to you okay. soon. Okay. Take care. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Bye.
That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jackie Lloyd Smith of Strategic Play. Let me know if you resonated. You can leave a comment over in the show notes at livecreativenow.com slash 128, because that was episode 128. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super duper, uber appreciative if you would take a moment, hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review even a sentence or two. The reviews make a huge difference because when people are searching for a new podcast to listen to, podcasts that have a lot of reviews pop up higher in the searches. So the more reviews Live Creative Now gets, the more positive reviews, ideally five-star reviews, the more reviews it gets, the more people will find it. So if you can take a minute to leave a review, even one or two sentences, it really makes a huge difference. And it would mean a ton to me. And email me to let me know that you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life. If you'd like to be considered for a listener spotlight, that is how you apply by leaving a review on iTunes and then send me an email. And if I pick you, we'll have a really fun, super relaxed conversation and I'll record it and you'll get to be featured on the podcast. How cool is that? And here is what Whimsy Callie wrote in her review. The subject is new listener dot 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 loving it five stars. Whimsy Callie writes, I've just recently discovered Melissa through the Lifebook 2017 online course I'm taking. She taught one of the courses. I was utterly and completely inspired by that lesson. And when I discovered that she also did a podcast, I subscribed immediately. I'm so impressed with Melissa's positivity. It's contagious. She is generous with her knowledge, wisdom, and tales of triumph and struggles. I find that listening to her conversations with fellow creatives is a wonderful addition to my painting routine. I often listen while I'm painting and then have to stop to Google someone or something amazing that is mentioned. I'm loving that. And wonderful bonus, Melissa is incredibly approachable and receptive. I emailed her a question and she got back with me very quickly. And what followed was a delightful email dialogue. Thanks, Melissa, for all you do. Thank you, Whimsy Kelly. Thank you so much for leaving that review and for taking the time to send me an email. <laughs> that was awesome. So you too can leave a review on iTunes and send me an email and I might pick you to be featured in a listener spotlight. And that would be super cool because you and I could have a conversation. Anyway, that is it. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Live creative now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.